quick warning, this episode contains conversations about drug addiction, substance use, trauma, and domestic violence. We reference eating disorders, suicide, and use explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, I'm Carmen. I'm Jackie. And I'm Emily, also known as Douglas. And we're your hosts. Welcome to Generation SOS On Record a podcast that invites people to share their uncensored stories about mental health and substance use. We invite you to open your minds and your ears and allow these stories to speak louder than statistics ever could. I never really had someone that was going through the same thing. That musicians feel deeper. You you kind of feel like you can't tell anyone, which is like the opposite of what you should do. When I'm too young to like have been included in a conversation, which I kind of call bullshit on. I'm just wondering because I like really don't know you growing up you said you're a year sober which is incredible so what what was that path like if you don't mind sharing going down the road of using and then addiction and then recovery so I had a pretty like hunky-dory childhood like you kind of think like the stereotypical American family mom stays home dad goes to work there's a older brother younger daughter three years apart so basically um I remember my mom, so my mom is a type 1 diabetic, so she always put such big emphasis on working out, being healthy, Um, so there was always, like, even, like, from the very beginning of, like, early years, um, there was always, like, pressure to look good and, you know, to be healthy, because, like, diabetes runs in our family. So there was always pressure. So I always remember like, um, like being like five years old and looking in the mirror and that whole day I would like obsess about what I would eat at five years old because I didn't want to get diabetes or I didn't want to be fat or I cared so much about how I looked at five years old. Like that's so sad to think about. Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of like, you know, everything was hunky dory, progressed, whatever. I get to like seventh, eighth grade and my parents ended up getting divorced. My mom cheated on my dad, and she's now married to the guy, the last guy that she cheated on my dad with. Um, so that kind of, like, my world just kind of, like, crashed at that point because I went from thinking one day, literally in a span of a day, it wasn't like, oh, like, my parents are kind of just, like, fighting, whatever. Like, everything was always behind closed doors. So I didn't know, like, my parents were having problems until they were literally getting divorced. We were just, like, this normal family, I thought, and then the next, you know, morning, the next day, whatever, um, my parents are, like, not good. So my mom was, like, really in and out that, because this was, like, at the end of seventh grade. So Mm -hmm. my, my parents were really, like, my mom was really in and out that summer because she would like take time to rest and get alone time, but she would just go like cheat on my dad. Hmm. And it was like sad to watch. And it still makes me sad because my dad like tried so hard. Like he tried so hard to like get my mom back. You know what I mean? And like, you know, so like I watched that and like as a kid, I mean like, you're not, I'm not, I was like a little kid, but at, at 12 years old, you're still a kid. It's a and pivotal like, time in your life. Such a pivotal time, exactly. Yeah. And, and like, your world that you knew changed yeah. while you're making big changes. Yeah, it's a whole thing. And so then, you know, that's kind of when I started getting into substances, because that's when I first remember feeling like, okay, something's not right. Like, I have, me- like, 
I didn't know the words mental health at that time, but I was like, something was just not right in my brain. And like, looking back, I was like, I was so depressed. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. and I didn't even realize. So like, you know, the mental health from when I was a little kid that definitely like started my eating disorder issues. And then like, um, the stuff with my parents, you know, like that was like my first sign of like serious mental health problems. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was my first sign of like serious mental health problems. And like I said earlier, like we use as the solution. Right. Right. It's the mental health. Like I, I bet you like 99% of all people who use substances, you know, whether they want to say they're an addict, um, they probably have a mental health issue. Yeah, exactly. We were just talking about like how mental health like is a risk factor to using. Yeah, so, exactly. So that's kind of when I was like, I was also going to high school in like eighth grade and that's kind of when you start that's when I started like experimenting with like drugs and alcohol and over time like it just progressed like I said like I got the drinking ticket at 14 and then after that like it just progressed into harder things mm-hmm. um, throughout high school I was always kind of known as like a party girl or like there was definitely like one too many times where I was too drunk, you know what I mean? Like drunker than everyone else. That being your reputation, did, did you like that at the time? Like, did you want yeah, to fulfill I, that? Like, I didn't care. I was like, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. Like, so I embraced it. And then I went to a real, so then I started dating a drug dealer. So I might start dating a drug dealer and like, red flag first time I ever met him because he was literally selling drugs the first time I met him yeah me thinking like oh like whatever I'm like that's hot so I was like okay so him and I started dating and we started just like smoking weed like we weren't doing anything hard whatever and then like a year and a half into the relationship he comes over one day and he has these pills and I'm like what is that and he's like they're they're Percocets at the time thought they were Percocets. She's doing major air quote bunny. Yeah. What do you, whatever you call yeah. them quote air quotes. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. yeah. So, um, he brings them over one day and I'm like, okay, what is that? That looks, you know, interesting. And he's like, oh, they're, they're Percocets, you know? So apparently Percocets, whatever. So I do them. And that's when I was like, whoa, that, that was, yeah. It was like I had found all of my solutions to every problem I ever had in my life. That's what it felt like. And wait, Piper, quick question. Does this, because I know you worked at a hair salon, mm-hmm. do you start because your back was hurting or no? Is that, um, you know, so at the time, I would tell myself, no. I was like, oh, I need them for my back. <laughs> well, I remember we had this conversation. So I I was like, you definitely told me that at one point, which I would tell myself every little anything to justify my using anything. Mm -hmm. So basically I wasn't like, like looking back, I was definitely mentally addicted, but my body hadn't caught up yet. So my body wasn't physically addicted for like years into doing them because I would only do them with him. So like those couple of days that I wouldn't see him just smoking weed, maybe drinking a little bit, whatever, that would get me through. I was fine. But the 
I would do them whenever I was with him. And then we ended up, so I ended up going off to college for a little bit. And when I got there, it's a huge party school. And I went there to party. I wasn't going for the education. You know, I went there to party. And I was like, you know, that's kind of when I started getting into Xanax a little bit. I had done it, but like, that's kind of when I started getting into Xanax a little bit more and I was drinking a lot and it was just like such an unhealthy lifestyle I was living, you know? Um, then was that doing all that with school. So Where's the thing with me was I was always very productive. Okay. So like they always, there's like the non-productive and the productive addict. So I was a productive addict. So I didn't think I had a problem because I was going to work, getting all A's on the Dean's list. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I was getting my, my stuff that I needed yeah, to get functioning. I was trying to recognize it at the time. Even yeah. were like friends mm -hmm. and I was with decent amount, but I was like, Oh, she's going to work school. Cause you think when people are busy, yeah. you're staying out of trouble. Kind yeah. of like that's what you yeah. relate to, mm -hmm. to work now. And not, you know? also, like, you don't, it, it progresses as well. So, like, I, like, I, at that time, I wasn't being, I wasn't high at work or school, but it was, like, as soon as I got home, I was high. And then when it progresses to the, it goes past the line where you're high at work or, you know, it starts affecting every single area of your life. That's when it's progressed somewhere that, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not okay, you know? But, um, so I was a very functional addict and when I was in active addiction, so okay. COVID hits and I move in with him. And if you've never lived with a significant other, you pick up on each other's habits like that. And he was doing it. He was doing the pills. I was doing the pills and it took maybe not even a month of living together where my body was physically addicted. At that point, my friends kind of knew sometimes I would do it with him. But at that point, I was like, okay, I'm literally addicted to these now. Nobody can know. And what, is, what did that physical addiction feel like? like so it feels like um, if you don't have it, you sweat, you ache, you throw up, you have diarrhea, um, you're shaking, hot and cold chills. Huh. It, like when I was going through it, it felt like I was gonna die. And like, I literally felt like I wasn't gonna, I mean, you can die from withdrawals, but like, that's how I felt without my drugs. I was like, I am gonna die. Wow. Like, like I literally felt like I couldn't be sober any second of the day. Like I couldn't bear life without being high, you know? Right. And, um, so that's kind of when it took a turn and that's when it, it became my secret, you know, became my secret and I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want my family to know or my, you know, my best friends because that's bad. You know, you never think like, oh, like you don't think that you're going to get addicted to something. You don't. And when you do, you, it's like, oh my God, if you never, if you, didn't grow up with parents like that or you know your really good friends in your life aren't 
doing stuff like that, you know, it's embarrassing almost, you know, you kind of feel like you can't tell anyone, which is like the opposite of what you should do. You know, like you should reach out as much as you can, you know, because like if only I had reached out sooner, like the course of my life probably would have been very different. You know, I could have saved myself a lot of hurt, but at the same time, I also feel like you also need to go through what you need to go through and everyone goes through things for a reason, you know? Um, so at this point I was physically addicted. No one could know. I started working in a hair salon and then, um, so basically he, my ex told me one day he stopped coming home and it was very weird. He stopped coming home and he tells me he got another girl pregnant and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Did you know he was cheating at the time? Yeah. So I knew, like, I wasn't like, I was stupid, but I wasn't like oblivious. Like yeah. I knew he was cheating on me. It was one of those situations where it's like, just don't ask, don't tell. It was like one of those things where it's like, I just don't want to deal with that today. He could have done anything because when you're in that mindset, you do not care. You will do whatever. Like, so I knew. And then basically I found out a couple months later that he had a whole girlfriend. And like, I don't know why I didn't see that earlier, but I was also like in psychosis. So I was so like not right in the head. Can you explain what that is? So that psychosis is when um it's like a drug induced i'm gonna give you like the exact definition and then go off of that um because you taught me what it was i didn't yeah know psychosis is a mental disorder character you're like disconnected from reality so like you don't see things the way normal people are seeing things you know like you think people are watching you or like, I, I knew he was cheating on me, but, like, I didn't see the whole picture. I was so just, like, messed up. So, basically, I'm the sort of girl who is loyal to the end. I'm all in. So, I stayed after finding that out because I need my drugs, you know? And it's not like I knew other people to get these drugs from. Like, none of my friends were doing this. It was, like, me, a me and him thing. Um, and basically the last day that we lived together. So our relationship had many like domestic violence instances. So I do want to say that as well, because a lot of relationships that I was like are very similar than the one I was in and domestic violence is a huge factor, especially when there's drug use around. So the last day we lived together, I was off of work and I look out the window because he said he was going somewhere. And I was like, okay. So I look at the window and this girl is at our place. And I start running down the stairs. I am like, oh, hell no. This man comes. We live on the third story of all wooden steps. There's no elevator. He comes, drags me by my hair, drags me up the stairs, and just starts, like, beating me. And um, I told him, I was like, if you don't get off me right now, I'm going to call the police. And so he leaves with this girl. I pack up all this stuff and he's gone the next day. Um, and that was like such, I, I always, whenever I tell my story, I always add that in there because that will be the day, like that was the last day in my life that I'll ever let a man like put his hands on me again. That was such a pivotal day in my life. Um, because after that is when my, like things were already going downhill, but like things were going way downhill you know um 
I started using alone. Couldn't even go like an hour and a half without using or, you know, it was on my mind all the time. Like my mind, it was in my mind rent free. Um, he knew that he got me addicted. I mean, I did it. I take full responsibility. I did it. I put it on my nose. I was doing it, but who knows if I would have done it in the first place if he didn't bring it around. Yeah. Or Roxy's. Mm -hmm. Roxy Cotton. And like, I knew they were cut with stuff. I knew they, cause like you shave it down and in the middle it's white and that's the fentanyl right there. And I asked my dealer one time, I was like, what is that? And he was like, oh, it's just cut with stuff. And I was like, okay. I was like, whatever. I didn't care. So the next couple months go by and like my life is just drastically going downhill. And then one day um, I was hanging out with some loser guy and um, a different guy that was getting me drugs because he was getting me drugs. So, you know, we're going to hang out. And so... Um, I go, so if you're not familiar, like with where I grew up, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's a lake there called Lake Norman. And uh, so I'll, everyone goes on the lake all the time, right? So I was going on the lake and I hadn't seen my best, very best friend Carmen in months. And like my body type is not, not supposed to be like a hundred pounds. And I was hundred pounds and I was so small. I wasn't eating. I was like twacked out of my mind. Like, I don't even know what I was talking about. I don't know what I did that day. And, um, I remember I had to get off the boat or oh, I remember saying I have to leave cause I have to go move. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? So, so you noticed something that Piper looked noticeably different when you first saw her. Was that a reaction you, you had? It looked like pale and fragile but also you're with this random guy and it was just kind of weird and I remember and it's not funny but I remember being on the boat and you like wanted to leave yeah like you were like I need to get off right now and we're kind of like not freaking out about it but you were like get me off the stand boat and everyone was like okay like we will we'll get you off you know and it hadn't been that long and I didn't think twice about it because you were actually moving she was moving mm -hmm. um but so Piper gets off the bow. If you don't mind, I'm gonna say this no, part. No, I don't care. Right there, but um, and two of our friends had been with Piper pretty frequently, and like recently up to this point, and they were like, "Hey, you know, we haven't told you this, but we think you know we've known Piper has been using X, Y, and Z, but it seems to be really bad now, and she's hanging out with this other random drug dealer kind of thing, mm -hmm. and." they were pretty much like highlight to me, like something's going on and we haven't told you. And I don't think she wants you to know this. So I don't know how you should go about this pretty much being like, so it's bad kind of. Mm -hmm. And then I go to, <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to say? So <laughs> basically that day, my car breaks after I leave the boat, my car breaks down, um, on the way to go buy drugs with this guy. We have to get, you know, all this stuff. I didn't have a car, I was moving, I didn't have drugs, it was horrible. I was moving out, I was in the middle of moving. Carmen and, I was in the bathroom with this guy doing drugs, doing fentanyl. And I we hear a bang on my door, on the bathroom door. No, Carmen did not tell me one thing. She just shows up at my place with our other friend Savannah, and she's like, she's like, do you have anything you wanna tell me? And I was like, no. 
I don't even really remember the conversation, but I, you were, well, I just banged on the door. I was so nervous. I was like, Piper is going to kill me because I'm pulling up. <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of a terrible timing. There's like movers in and out. And I walk in, I'm like, where's Piper? And they're like, the girl, like she's in the bathroom. I bang on the door. You and the other guy come out. I'm like, I need to speak to you outside privately. And I kind of was just like, I know you're using blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm going to tell your family. And Piper pretty much cusses me out. Yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, it's just like, I will never speak to you again. I'll tell them, but like, not right now. I'm moving out. So basically, I was like, I will never speak to you again. If you yeah. tell my parents, like that was my mindset. I was like my very best friend in the world who I adore. Like I'm saying I'll never speak to again because of drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Change everything. She, she, yeah. She, I was like, I knew as soon as my family found out that my whole life was going to change. Your secret would be out. Yeah. Your secret was out. I was like this fucking girl, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm it, moving. Yeah, while I'm moving. <laughs> I'm so grateful that she did that. But, but so your she, first yeah. reaction is anger. Yes. I was like, I was not happy. I was like, I was like, not happy. I was like, I, cause it was like, if you think about it, like my relationship with drugs was like a relationship. Like I was in love with these things, yeah. you know? It was my whole world. So when someone tells me they're going to take that away from me, my first reaction was anger, you know? And then I kind of thought about it for a while. I thought about it for the rest of the day. Carmen left and I knew I had a problem. And I was at the point in my, in my addiction where I knew I couldn't live like this anymore. No, sorry, not to interrupt. When you called her brother and started planning out this intervention, did your family, like, did they have suspicions of what was going on? Like, um, I don't think, I think they knew something was up, right, Carmen? Up. And she, now you're alone in this apartment. You don't live with your parents anymore. You're still going to work all the time. Like, you really don't know, you know? Yeah. So, and I, I think it was a point where I remember being on the phone with her brother that night because you actually used in front of me uh, mm -hmm. when I saw you at your new apartment that night. And I texted your brother immediately after and was like, we have to, like, tomorrow. Like, we have to do something. Yeah. And I remember calling them earlier that day, and they were like, we don't know what to do. We've never been through this before. It's just interesting. They're like, we had no idea, and we feel like terrible parents and blah, blah, blah. But, I was, but at that point, it's like, well, now we know. So all was in our control is to just do something about it now. You know? Right, and right. But it's like, what? We had to what do you do? I mean, first of all, there's not one correct answer. And second of all, like you're not taught the option. I, it, what do you you're do? You're not taught the options. That's a good point, Jackie. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not. not. I didn't know what oh, I, I didn't know. Yeah. So Carmen yeah. comes over that night and that's like the first person who, first and really only person who saw, you know, what I needed to do to get through the day. You know, I needed to snort drugs up my nose multiple times a day to get through the day so I wouldn't get sick. And so the next day, Carmen takes me to work and I was there for probably two hours. I go on my break 
And that was the first time I used in my friend's car because I didn't have a car. And um, I used it in my friend's car and I just remember sitting my head back and just thinking, I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I remember thinking like, I cannot live like this anymore. And it was the first time that I prayed to God for something other than drugs. And I don't even know how long. And I sat back and I said, God, please take me out of this. You know, whatever my your higher power is or my higher power is, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you can't get through this thing without a higher power. You know, you have to. And that was the first time I actually prayed to God about my life. And I was like, dear God, I can't do this anymore. And I didn't know anything about this intervention. I had no idea. So I go back into work. Ten minutes later, my friend Ramsey's like, hey, your mom's here. And I was like, why is my mom here? It's a Tuesday. She's supposed to be at work. So I I go up to the front, and my mom's like, get your things. You're coming with me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what is going on? I was like, okay. So I go grab my stuff, and she, as soon as we walk out of my work, she's like, honey, I know and you're going to rehab. And I just started bawling, crying. I was like, I'm so sorry. And then I have a whole intervention with my family in Carmen. And um, that's when my life changed, you know? It was, it really showed me when I spoke about how I, what, what I was going through. Um, it really showed me how much I was loved by the people in my life, you know? And I think that's something a lot of people don't think about, you know, like if you're out there struggling, people do love and care for you. You know, even if you don't feel like that right now, um, there are people that out there that care, you know, regardless if you know them well or not. Um, and that's super important, you know, um, because when you're in active addiction, you don't really think about that. You know, you think no one loves you. Everyone's out to get you. No one wants the best for you. And it's not true, you know, because without the people in my life, I wouldn't have gone, you know, like I went to a random rehab in Malibu, California. And so I literally went on a plane in the same day and I went to rehab and uh, that's when I, my like journey of recovery started, you know, I learned about Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, the 12 steps, which is super important. Um, how important it is to hire, have, have a higher power. A lot of people think like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and narcotics anonymous all that like they're like cults you know a lot of people think they're like cults because you have to believe in jesus but you can believe in your higher power can be whatever the hell you want it to be you know and that's super important you know to be connected to your you know your recovery because obviously like i was doing fentanyl you know like it wasn't me looking out for me something bigger was looking out for me yeah. you know what if i had known earlier you know what if i had known what i was doing earlier you know what if i you know, spoke on it earlier, you know, like what if there's, and I don't like to live my life and like what ifs, but I right. think about other kids, other teenagers, other people who are struggling with like active addiction and don't even know it, you know? Yeah. I think especially because when you're around people who are doing the same thing and then hiding that part of yourself from the people who aren't, it doesn't feel so abnormal. So you went to rehab in Malibu Mm -hmm. And so how long up, did you stay? Was it successful the first time? Like, how did that work? Yeah. So, um, for me, I'm one of the lucky ones. I like to say a lot of people don't get it their first time. And so basically I stayed in rehab detox for 21 days. Um, 
And then after that, my parents really wanted me to go to sober living and sober living. People think of it as like a halfway house, um, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, there are halfway houses, but sober living is like, basically it's just like a college dorm, you know, it's like a college oh. dorm. And you basically, it's just a bunch of people who are also trying to get sober. You know, you get drug tested, breathalyzed every night. Um, they give you your meds. Um, they get you on the right dosage of like what mental health meds that you need if you need any. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they basically just like it's rehabilitation. It just helps you recover. It's transitioning back into the real world, you know, which is a huge thing because when you're using, you're not in the real world. You're not in, you're, you know, you're in your own world. Yeah. How was that living with? Because you lived with four other yeah so i lived in a house towards the end we moved houses and i lived in a house with 30 other women wow um, it was insane but you get used to it it's weird like you kind of miss it you know you walk into the kitchen and someone's always there you know i'm sure there's a bond a strong there bond. is a strong bond you know because especially there's a lot of girls who are around my age and that's a huge thing because before i came out here i didn't know one person my age who was sober I'm sure that was so, uh, again, zero to 100. Yeah. Flying across the country, knowing nobody, while you were at work a couple yeah. of days before using it. No, she's at work the same morning before. Exactly. Same morning. We went up to her house and packed up a bunch of random stuff, threw in a suitcase, and we called. I just remember this part I wanted to add is we kept calling all these places, and you had to quarantine before. Mm -hmm. Well, an addict quarantining before rehab is extremely difficult. So we looked in like North Carolina, Tennessee, and you had to quarantine. And California was one of the only places where like, we'll take you right now. So correct me if I'm wrong, there was someone at the airport who flew with you. No one flew with me. I was actually on the plane by myself. Oh, it was awful. I remember trying to drink to like, it just made everything worse. Um, so- Boxing on the plane by yeah. yourself. And not wow. knowing anyone, I had to connect flights in Atlanta to wow. LA. And I had been crying too. So like I, my face was just- yeah, It's it was, not like it was easy to- No, <laughs> it was horrible. One of the worst flights of my life. It sounds like but you I, were just really committed to this. I was, yes. I was like, I am so like just done with this life. Yeah. Like, I don't care what I have to do. I'll do it. Um, wow. I was like, I've been doing fentanyl. You know, because you hear about it, you don't think yeah. it can you. How I literally just had a moment and I sat down and I was just like, how am I here? And the rehab um, technician, he was like, look, you can believe it as luck or you can believe it as a higher power, but that's a higher power because like the rate you've been doing it and the test, like how high your levels are, it's, it's, it's astronomical that you're still alive. It was crazy. It was a crazy moment. And that's kind of when I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, what, what am I doing? You know, like who, how did I get here? You know, um, I get into sober living and, um, it's really hard. Like after going to rehab, like you think 30 days is a long time or 21, 30 days, whatever. 60 90 whatever how long your program is um you think of it as a long time but it's really not a long time to adjust back to being a you know productive human in society yeah you know, 30 days is not enough time you know to get your life back in order i was not ready 
to go back because I knew if I were to go back after those 21 days, I would have relapsed. And so reliving, it was, I'm so grateful for it. Um, I love living in LA, you know, it's definitely, um, all those horrible things that I've gone through, like they all brought me to somewhere beautiful, which I think is the most important thing. Like you have to go through the hard things in life. Cause if you don't, like you won't get to the good stuff, you know? So what's it like now, 22, 21, having to go through all this and now being in sober living, I'm sure it helps to have people your age who are also- It definitely helps to have people your age. And then also I've connected with people who aren't my age and people I never would have connected with beforehand. You know, I have relationships and friendships with people who I probably would have never spoken to before all of this, you know, and like I've built these amazing connections and relationships and an amazing community of people who are also have had the same struggle I've had and know what I've gone through, you know? Um, and you know you get to connect with all these amazing people and like there is life after action active addiction you know like there is things to look forward to there are people who have gone through what you've gone through you know and that that's so important because like a lot of people don't make it on the other side and some people just don't even try because they don't want to know what a life is without addiction you know but like it's beautiful, you know, like having to wake up every day and not having to use is the most freeing feeling ever. Do you think being in LA and having that fresh environment and not, I wouldn't say have those memories there, but do you think that, that was, it was very important for your recovery to stay in LA? Yes, I think so, for sure. And I, just so everyone listening, like I did go to Sober Living in LA, I'm in the Valley. Um, like it's just so important to be somewhere that doesn't have ties to your old life yeah you know it's really hard and but i'm grateful that i had that opportunity because so many people have children jobs husbands wives partners that they have to go back to they don't have the choice to just pick up their life and move across the country for a fresh start. A lot of people don't have that option, you know? And I'm so grateful that I did, you know? But like, even if you are in that situation, like you do like do what you have to do to save your life, you know? Like you can always go back. Like now I could probably, I've had enough time under my belt where I can go back home probably like for an extended period of time and I would be fine. I don't want to. I love yeah, the life you, you have started a new yeah. chapter. Just like, wrapping it up. Do you forgive me? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was gonna be my question. Yes, how Hi. is your friendship? I love Carmen to death. She's my sister. Oh. I love her too. Even though she's too busy to FaceTime me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, gosh. oh. I love you so much. So, yeah, thank you so much, Piper, for coming. Yeah, of I love course. You. Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. For more conversations like these or to find a support system near you, go to generationsos.org.